0: So am I in Phoenix? <laughs> you know, my life is on the road. That could really do a number on me. I, uh, that was great, though. Can we get, hear it again for these guys? That was absolutely amazing. Well, good morning. I am Bill Butterworth. It's a delight to be with you again. Uh, I offer apologies that my wife is not here with me this time. Everyone, of course, wants to meet. Uh, Mrs. Butterworth, and, um, and she is sweet, uh, but um, we just made this a real quick trip here, but it's, it's a delight to be here with you today, and uh, thank you for being comfortable in the seats you're not used to sitting in at a time you're not used to being here. Um, do you normally come on Sunday? Is that a, is that a normal deal? Okay, anyway, uh, it, it really is a treat to be back with you here. I appreciate it. Um, I live over in Southern California. I've been a Californian for over 30 years, but I was born and raised back east. I was born and raised in Philadelphia. And last weekend in Philadelphia uh, was Memorial Day weekend. I believe you celebrated here in Phoenix, but I don't know. You guys are changing the schedule on everything. I I don't know. But um, uh, Memorial Day in Philly is the unofficial beginning of summer. and. It had me thinking back on my childhood to some of those uh, unforgettable summer memories. Uh, Maybe you can think back to uh, when you were young uh, and the summertime memories you have. I'll give some of you uh, just a little extra time uh, to do that. Maybe summer for you was unforgettable because uh, you took one of those amazing family vacations. You know, everybody makes fun of those, but yet if you ever had one, you've never forgotten it. It's unforgettable. In Philly, the big deal when I was a kid was pile everybody in the vehicle and drive to Florida. There's something about vacationing in Florida that was a big deal. Notice I said pile into the vehicle. Depending how old you are, you piled into the SUV or the minivan, or the van, or the station wagon, or the old Model A. You just piled everybody in, and you took off for an unforgettable memory, that summer vacation. Uh, Maybe for some of us, an unforgettable summer memory was that was the time we first entered the workforce, that summer job, whatever it might be. First paycheck, man, that was great. And uh, what uh, stroll down memory lane would be complete without mentioning that summer romance? She was 12, you were nine. (laughs) She was at least 18 inches taller than you. They called it puppy love, but it was real to the puppy. It was really amazing, it was unforgettable. I am thinking a lot about that word these days, unforgettable, because it occurred to me that maybe rather than focusing in on unforgettable events, maybe we should think for a second about unforgettable people. Who are the unforgettable people in your life? Uh, I think for most of us, there's kind of groupings that uh, conjure up memories from our past of, of significant people in our lives. If you have your uh, printed outline with you today, I, I've left a, uh, some blanks because I, I know a fill-in-the-blank kind of church, no sound doctrine is taught unless it actually is a blank that you fill in, otherwise it's heresy. That's in 3 Timothy. and. Um, <laughs> But but here… here's some… just some typical groups, and I know they work in my life. Uh, First group I think of is teachers. Some of us have unforgettable people in our lives that were school teachers. Uh, I remember growing up in Philly, uh, like a typical kid, I had stuff that I thought was wrong with me, and all the kids made fun of me. In my case, it was being overweight. Uh, I can describe my entire childhood for you in one sentence. Uh, I weighed back then what I weigh now when I was four feet shorter, all right? Last name was Butterworth. You want to do the mental math on that, that's, that's sad. But you know, I, I, I finally had this elementary school teacher, bless her heart, who was the first person who ever said to me, you know what? You have gifts. There's something you can do that nobody else can do. I had never heard that before. And that dear woman has become unforgettable in my mind because she communicated that message to me. And maybe you have a teacher, elementary school, high school, college professor who has become unforgettable in your life because of the impact they made in your world. Uh, Well then I moved on into junior high and I met another uh, group of people that became unforgettable. Uh, coaches, some of us that uh, engaged in athletics. Now, you're laughing because you're thinking, well, if you weighed back then would you weigh now and you're four feet shorter, what kind of sport did you play? Well, I wanted to play football. I wanted to get on the offensive line, you know, just kind of hike the ball and roll over sort of thing. Uh, but my, my parents wouldn't let me play. My mother felt that I would get hurt, which, which I thought was really bizarre because I felt, you know, I was so big that you really couldn't get to anything that, that you could damage you know, uh, some, some sort of strained cellulite condition or something, but, um, but I did find a sport that I could participate in. I, I went out for the track team, which gets a chuckle if you aren't aware of the fact that it's track and field. And there was this 12-pound ball that you could put under your chin, and instead of throwing it, you put it, you put it, the shot put, and its sister, the discus. Okay? So, Big Little Billy became a shot put and discus throw. I didn't do very well. I was not aware at the time that it required strength. (laughs) I had no strength, consequently I was the only guy, you know, they measured with a ruler. But but nonetheless, um, I'll never forget my junior high track coach, because he was the first person who communicated to me, you know, you can benefit from working hard. If you show up every afternoon to track practice, I'm not guaranteeing you're going to win medals, but you're going to see improvement. If you work hard, you will improve. And then I became a teenager and I met another group of people that became very unforgettable in my life pastors. Our church, like so many churches, had a pastor specifically for the high school kids, and we used to chew up high school pastors and spit them out. We we just went through the entire student body of Philadelphia College of the Bible and, you know, just looked for other out of state people that would want to come in and, and get, you know, chewed up as well. And this one youth pastor came into my life. And he absolutely wouldn't let go. I call him to this day the pit bull of love. He just bit onto me, and hung on, and he would not let go. And he's the first person who ever communicated to me, you know what? God can use you. Because I was astounded by the fact that God could take this little kid and perhaps use him in a way that would further the spread of the gospel. Now, there's one other group that I've left till the last, because actually they are the most unforgettable group in the whole lot, and that's Parents. Now for some of us, our parents are unforgettable for all the wrong reasons. We have a lot of pain in our past as a result of our parents. But for many of the rest of us, we have very warm memories about our parents. Some it's kind of a mixed bag, but I can tell you despite all the bumps in the road I had with my parents, I always knew that my my parents loved me. And what an amazing message to connect. So, when I think about unforgettable people in my life, those are kind of four very generic groups that come to mind, and maybe that is something that you uh, relate to as well. But you may be asking yourself the question, well, why why is this man strolling down memory lane in front of us? Well, it's because uh, the older I get, the more I realize it's probably not so important that I focus on the unforgettable people in my life but maybe a little bit more on how I can become an unforgettable person in the lives of other people, in the lives of my children, or my grandchildren, or people that I mentor, or people that are in my small group, or people that are my employees, or people that are in my neighborhood, or people that I somehow have influence over that I want to leave a positive mark. I don't say this in an egotistical way. This is not so that everyone will think I am good, but it's because I have the privilege of modeling godliness to those that are around. And so my question and challenge to you this morning is, would you like to become a truly unforgettable person? I mean, you can. You can become an unforgettable person by modeling what God says in His Word. Now, if you are here and you happen to be a parent, this is going to be right on target for you because we're going to look at a a very common text that's used from the Old Testament that speaks specifically to parents, and I understand the primary meaning of the text is to parents, but I'm trusting you're going to give me permission this morning to kind of pull the camera back just a little bit so that we can see principles that not only work for parents with their children, but for anybody who wants to become unforgettable, who wants to influence those that are around them in a very positive way. It's actually a message on leadership, if you will, because if you believe that the true definition of leadership is influence, then we are all leaders because we are all influencing people around us, and it's a very important area to cover. The text that we're going to look at this morning is in the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Having grown up in church, whenever I hear the word Deuteronomy, I smile because I remember as a child thinking when the pastor said Deuteronomy that he was stuttering, that it was such a long word that what was the problem? Why couldn't he just get it out without stammering the way he was. And then finally I understood what the word Deuteronomy is all about. It comes from two words, duo, which means two, and nomos, which means the law. Deuteronomy is the second giving of the law. Most of us know the first giving of the law. It's Moses going up the mountain coming down with the Ten Commandments. Well, if you read in between the lines, that really didn't go real well first time around. They didn't get it. If you're a school teacher, Moses saw the need for a review. And so we have the second giving of the law in the book of Deuteronomy. That's why so much of Deuteronomy sounds very familiar to maybe what we have already read in Exodus. But Deuteronomy chapter 6, that wonderful paragraph that's verses 4 through 9, which is printed for you at the bottom of your outline, uh, says the following. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. And here we go. And you shall teach them diligently to your sons. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. And you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Now, in this text, Moses is basically helping us understand in my terminology for today, how to become an unforgettable person. How to put into practice some things that will so impact those around you that others won't forget you and they won't forget you because of the positive impact you've made on their life. So let's spell these out together and look at what they mean. Here's, Here's the first way to become an unforgettable person. Number one, unforgettable people influence those around them formally and informally. They influence others formally and informally. Uh, this text has this wonderful phrase in verse 7, teach them diligently and talk of them. It, it sounds redundant. It sounds like we're saying the same thing, but the Hebrew words signify two very different things, teaching The word for teach is a more formal kind of presentation, more of a face-to-face, heart-to-heart, there's an agenda on the table, I want to cover certain subjects with you, we need to have this conversation, I need you to understand it. It's more of the formal kind of teaching, time spent together. The second word, the word talk, is more informal. Uh, The the modern-day phrase that I think would describe talk is just doing life together. Uh, As my kids would say, just just hanging out, just being together. And that's very important because influencing others then becomes kind of a two-sided coin. It's both the formal communicating of knowledge and the the difficult conversations, the hard stuff, and it's also just doing life together, just hanging out. Now, most of us have lived long enough to realize how we're wired gift-wise and personality-wise, and most of us immediately see that we're wired towards one way and a little bit more weak on the other side. There are those of us, I mean, some of us can remember our parents. Remember dad, the formal teacher, you know, bring a notebook to dinner tonight, son. There are a few issues we need to go over and there will be a test after dessert. We're going to go over the chores list. We're going to go over the summer vacation calendar. You know, and it's, it's very pedantic. I mean, modern day, up, it's the dad who brings the laptop or the iPad to the dinner table and he's got PowerPoint. now. Pass the green beans and pay attention to this slide. You know, it's like, whoa, this guy is really into it, all right? And and then there's the other person who basically says, hey, after dinner, let's go down to the gym and just shoot hoops. I've had occasion for a project I'm working on to talk to a lot of fathers and sons these days, and I always ask a son, "What's your one of your favorite memories with your father?" And the top answer, if you ever go on Family Feud, the top answer is going to a ball game. I loved going to a ball game with my dad. Is the answer I get more often than not? And I said, "That's interesting. Tell me about kind of the conversations you would have." And they look at me like I'm from Mars. Conversations. We didn't, we, there were barely a word. Occasionally there was, oh, that was a lousy call. You're no good. You know, but, you know, t- talking between one, there was basically no words said. It was just being in one another's presence that marked us and that made that time unforgettable. So again, it's two sides of the same coin. We, we've got to work on both of these in order to be unforgettable. Uh, if you want to buy into the statistics, uh, in our day and age, more of us are wired for the informal hanging out than we are for the actual teaching. 200 years ago, it was exactly the opposite. But today, we're much more comfortable just doing life together than we are actually teaching one another, which causes me to issue a warning. I have very disturbing news for all of you, and it starts this way. You all go to a really wonderful church. You know the problem with going to a really wonderful church, don't you? is you put all the formal teaching on the people that work at the church. I don't need to teach anybody about anything. That's what we're paying the pastor for. That's why we have a youth. That's why somebody's teaching my little ones right now. That's not my job. I just shoot hoops. No, 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 no. The modeling is not an either or. It's two sides of the same coin. I mean, we should be wired in such a way that we can teach those around us as well as just hang out with them. Now, I see some familiar faces. Some of you have watched me for years, and you know we have five children in the Butterworth family, a a daughter and then the four sons, and they've all grown up and and gone, and um, life is good. And we've got grandkids in double figures. It's just amazing. But, but I remember when my children were young, one of the books I read as a young dad that had a real impact on me was uh, my friend Gordon McDonald's book, The Effective Father. And it was in that book that I read for the first time this story that has made its way to a thousand other books, and so I'm sure you've heard it. But it, it's good to enter it here in talking about how we are wired one way or another, like I mentioned. Today, a lot of us are soft on the formal teaching part of it and much better at hanging out and doing life together. 200 years ago, it was just the opposite, was the strict, stern, you know, listen to what I have to say to thee, my son, you know. And it was so, there's this story about James Boswell. James Boswell lived 200 years ago, very distinguished author. His claim to fame is his biography on Samuel Johnson, which many… Uh, literature experts claim is the finest biography ever written in the English language. So Boswell earned his stripes. Boswell would constantly talk about the most significant, the most unforgettable day he ever had with his dad growing up. And it was a day that his dad took him fishing. They just hung out. They just did life. There's not a lot of conversation during a fishing trip. Just hung out. And Boswell's peers would hear him constantly make reference to this fishing trip with his father, this fishing trip with his father, to the point that one day one of his peers decided, you know what would be curious is to find out what Boswell's father thought about that particular day, to see if he thought it was really all that unforgettable. And so fortunately back then, because Boswell's father had already passed away, back then People kept journals and diaries, and they were much better at at recording their lives. They they found Boswell's father's journal, and they found the date of the fishing trip. And curiously enough, there was a single-sentence journal entry that day by Boswell's father, and it simply said, gone fishing today with my son, a day wasted. See, that's how it was back then. It's like, man, I should have been giving him all these 15 points of doctrine and all this stuff he needs to know about living life. Instead, we just sat quietly by the shore and fished. And yet it was Boswell's most unforgettable day. Do you get what I'm trying to say, folks? It's a a both-and package. And many of us can get help from others in one of these areas, but I'm encouraging us all to work on that area where we are weak and become good at being both a formal and an informal teacher, an influencer of those to whom we want to become unforgettable. So, number one, unforgettable people influence formally and informally. Number two, Unforgettable people take their job seriously and work hard at it. They take their job seriously and they work hard at it. And that all comes from a single word in the text, just a few words into verse 7. You shall teach them, and here's the word you can circle, diligently, diligently. Literal definition from the Hebrew is sharpening. But it's the idea of Working hard and taking it seriously. Diligent is a word that's kind of fading from our vocabulary these days. You don't hear a lot of talk about diligence anymore besides this, this due diligence that is a a that you go through perhaps for a business deal. But working diligently is part of becoming unforgettable. You take it seriously and you work hard. What that says to me is... If I'm going to become unforgettable in your life, it's not going to be by accident. It's not going to be a coincidence. It's not going to be, oh, what a surprise. I had no idea. Rather, it's going to be, I'm intentional about having an impact in your life. I'm, I'm focused on being someone that you feel comfortable around, that you want to model, that you want as a mentor. I mean, I'm looking at plenty of people who've lived enough life who should be mentoring at this point. And you know, well, that's not, you know, and again, it's probably because I don't have PowerPoint slides with 15 things I want. You know, I can go play ball with a person, you know, if I can sit in the chair and just, you know. Well, sit in the, start, start there and move in. But mentor, impact other people. Be intentional about it. Intentionally build into someone's life. Take it seriously. Because it's not going to just happen by chance. It's not going to be a pleasant surprise, a, a, an accident that just occurred. It will be because you are intentional. Moms and dads, you need to realize you don't just get a pass because you're biologically related to your kids. You've got to become intentional at modeling them. Grandparents, you've got to intentionally model what you want your grandkids uh, to see in your life that's positive, that's godly, that's righteous. And you want to focus on that. Now, some encouragement. There there is a a statistic that is brand new that says 70% of today's parents spend more time with their kids than their parents spent with them. So, we're moving in the right direction. Now, not sure what's going on in the time that's being spent. Maybe it's just kind of doing life together. But even that gets a little strained when everybody's on their own personal piece of technology and nobody's really paying attention to what everybody else is doing. But we'll we'll just leave the statistic where it is. 70% of parents are spending more time with their kids than their parents did with them. They're working hard. They're taking it seriously. But here's the warning I would give you in regards to this point. When I see the words, take it seriously and work hard, I always fear that someone is going to lose the joy in their life and take the fun out of their life. Impacting other people is not a task, is not a burdensome, well, I'm going to, you're going to listen to what I'm saying, you know, and I mean, it's, it's, it's not ugly like that. I am so grateful for five kids who took it as their calling in life to keep their dad lightened up. Yo, Dad, relax, big guy. Whoa, we're getting a little uptight on that. Get back in the recliner, Dad. Because it's no fun if it's so serious that all the joy is taken from it. I'll give you my favorite example from our family. Years ago, before I started traveling full-time, as many of you know, I worked uh, for uh, the Swindolls at Insight for Living. And, and uh, one, one fall, uh, Chuck and the gang came up with the idea that, hey, you know what we should do? We should start a football poll that coincide with NFL season. We're going to pick the winner of every NFL game this season. Now no money's involved. We're not picking points. You just pick win or lose, and whoever wins the most games at the end of the season is the winner. <laughs> well, there was about 200 people at Insight for Living at that time, a lot of guys, and it was amazing to me to see how all those at the top of the organizational chart all the way down to those in the front lines Everybody got really excited about this thing, including me. I come home every week and say, oh, my God, the football pole is just great, and I'm, I'm competing. I'm in the top five. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get the prize. What's the prize? I win. <laughs> so finally, one day, my kids said, okay, we've had enough of this. I said, what? They said, you're having all that fun at work, and nothing's happening here at home. We declare, we're going to have the Butterworth family NFL football poll, and we're going to do it here at home. And the whole family joined in. And what's really amazing is uh, my daughter, who's the oldest of my five, um, was still so young and out of touch with the NFL, she made her choices based on the colors of the uniforms. Oh, that's a pretty one. I think I'll pick them. And the only thing that I can tell you that's more bizarre than that is, she won. <laughs> and I mean, we've been continuing to do this for years and years. Now the grandkids are doing it. My gra- one of my granddaughters came in second last year, picking by the colors of the uniforms. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But this has become such a unifying way to have impact. with. I mean, I, I got very excited about it, and early on I went to the trophy store and bought one of these perpetual plaques and put up at the top engraved Butterworth Family Football Pole and then I got all these brass plates. And if you won, you got your name and the year you won. And we're on the third plaque now, folks. We've been doing this for so long. And here's part of the reason why it's such a heartwarming thing to me, and some of you will identify with this. Um, A daughter and four sons, you would be foolish if you think I'm going to try to tell you we never had a hiccup or a bump in the road along the way. There were plenty of difficult times in our family life. And there were times I remember very specifically where one of the boys went off to college and um, he just didn't want to talk to me anymore. Didn't feel like there was any value in communicating with me. And so he didn't. He just kind of shut down the communication. Until football season. And every Saturday night, I'd get a phone call with his picks for the next day. And there were those rare phone calls where rather than just giving me the pics and hanging up, there would be an extra 30 or 40 seconds of just dialogue between the two of us. And if you've ever been distanced from someone that you really care about, you know how golden that 30 or 40 seconds can feel. So you're smart people, you know there's not a verse in the Bible that says thou, thou shalt have an NFL football pole. And the only reason I bring that up is to me that was a way that we took involvement with those we want to impact very seriously and worked hard at it but we didn't lose the joy. We didn't lose the fun. It was something that we could all engage in. And you know someone that you want to impact. You know someone that you want to Create a modeling experience with. You know what will bring them around and help them see what's really significant in their lives as well. So take your job seriously and work hard at it. Here's the third way to be an unforgettable person. Number three, unforgettable people model consistency. Model consistency. And that's the heart of verse seven, those wonderful phrases you shall do this when you. Uh, sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Again, an awful lot of life covered by those four phrases. When you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, you know what that says to me? There's consistency, that you're not one person at home and another person outside the home. Maybe you experienced some of that on the way over this morning. You're in the car. And you've got kids in the back. All oh, right, guys, you be quiet back there. I'm going to get over. And then you get onto the parking lot. Hello, brother. Hello, sister. Hallelujah. Thine the glory. Amen. Yeah. And the kids are like, what's going on with dad? I don't know, but when he gets back home, he'll be cussing again. Because dad's one way at home and another way when he's at church. Now, there are some really Hard to figure out, people, that even flip-flop that. They're really nice at home, but they get out in public. I don't know what the psychological disorder is, but they're like mean. You know, hey, come on over here, meet my uh, ugly wife. You ever seen someone that ugly? Seriously, now, come up closer. She won't bite. You know, what's going on? Why is this person doing this? And they say, oh, I don't know. honey. I just, I get kind of nervous, but uh, hey, you want to see some bad kids? Come on. You know, and they're just, it's terrible. It just, it makes you nervous to be around them and they're just wonderful at home. Now, don't misunderstand. By consistency, I'm not talking about be ugly in front of people and ugly at home. I'm talking about the other side. Be kind, be gentle, be loving, both in your house and when you're out in public. When you lie down and when you rise up, that says to me, all of us who say with great pride, well, I'm a morning person. I get more done by 8 o'clock in the morning than most people. You know, that's great, but that's no excuse for being in such a bad attitude before you go to bed. Well, you know, I'm tired and it's already 6 o'clock. I'm sorry, I got got grumpy there. No, no, no. You're consistent even when it's your off hours. You're a morning person, but it's time to lie down you still are consistent. And when you rise up, that's all the night outs. I'll talk to them at the next service. They're still asleep. (laughs) You know, they'll finally make it in, and at noon, you know, when the world starts coming together, you know, well, there's no excuse for being grouchy in the morning by saying, well, I'm a night person. you got to… No, 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 no. We're being consistent all the way through. We're modeling consistency. You know, I've been thinking about this, and again, it starts with the parents, and some of you are are parents with your children still at home. Others of you have raised your kids, and they're gone. Some of you have raised your kids, they're gone, and now they're back raising their kids while you're watching their kids as you raise them. You know, it, it gets very confusing, doesn't it? You know, I thought I was done all this, and I'm back in again and uh, a lot older. But anyway, something that our generation kind of took without even having to say, but my kids' generation have to fight for, is have meals together. I mean, if you have to, put it on your appointment calendar, have meals together. You say, ah, well, you don't understand, man. I mean, we got soccer practice, we got the tutor, we got flute lessons, I'm in the middle of a big project at work, we just can't make it happen. Well, I know all the reasons, and they're all good reasons, but you need to have some time together. And then there's the kids, uh, you know, the, some of the best advice I got from an unforgettable person in my life when my kids were young had to do with the most difficult time of the day w- with my young kids, and that was bedtime. They never wanted to go to bed. And I'd put them in, and I'd get them all tucked in, and it's at that moment that they have the most provocative, the most thought-provoking questions and discussion topics, and, because they just don't want you to turn out the lights. And I'll never forget... my my unforgettable person said to me, well, here's an idea. Put them to bed an hour before you want them to go to sleep and let them talk. And I remember going, oh, you can do that? They're like, yeah, it's not against the law. They won't arrest you. And I remember I started doing that and my kids are asking all these questions and we're having this incredible conversation. And sure enough, about an hour later, they're like, oh man, dad, I don't think I can ask any more questions. I am really tired. Okay, well, why don't you go to sleep? And then their their last waking uh, thought before they nod off was, all right, I just got another hour out of my dad. He is really dumb. (laughs) And I walk out of that bedroom, all right, I got it done my way too. Great connection time, okay? Meals, bedtime. Vacations. I mean, we talked about it as a pleasant summer. What are you going to do for a summer vacation this year? What are you going to do? You got the whole summer to plan. Maybe things are still tight. Maybe you need to do a staycation. Hey, there's nothing like Phoenix in August. (laughs) Really, there's nothing like Phoenix (laughs) in August. You'll have the place to yourself. You can do all kinds of things. It's beautiful okay? But plan now so that you're impacting and and connecting with one another. Just hang out. Just do life. That's what's important. Fourth and final idea on how to be unforgettable from this passage. Number four, unforgettable people focus on God's Word for success in thoughts and actions. They teach God's Word. uh, That's a better word. They teach God's Word for success in thoughts and actions. If you're not familiar with this passage, this is the part of the passage that may sound confusing to you, where it says in verse 8, you'll bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be frontals on your forehead. Signs and frontals. What is that? Well, if you're an Orthodox Jewish Christian, Uh, Person who has that in their tradition, you know exactly what it is because they still practice it to this day. Basically, what would take place is you would take leather, that was usually the fabric used, you'd take leather and you would make a, a, a box, a little leather box, maybe about two inches square and maybe about an inch to three quarters of an inch deep. And on the ends of that, box, you would have leather straps so that you could tie them around, in one case, around your wrist, kind of where most of us wear our watch, and then you'd wear another one on your forehead, kind of like how we'd wear a headband or a sweatband if we're working out. And in those little leather boxes was a phrase or a sentence from the Scripture. And the symbolism was, I am trusting that God's Word will penetrate through my skull and impact the way I think, so that I am thinking the way God wants me to think. And that one around my wrist is going to influence all the actions that my hands are involved in this day. So that not only my thoughts, but also my actions are seen as godly, are so impacted by God's Word that you can actually see it demonstrated by how I think and how I act. The passage goes on to talk about how you would have the, the passage written on the doorpost, the mezuzah. And, and that became a powerful symbol of how significant that was. And this is the heart of the message, folks, because again, becoming unforgettable is not an ego thing. it's, It's God's call to us to be holy and righteous and impactful in a godless world, and that people are going to see God in our lives, and through that, they're going to live a godly life. And therefore, we become unforgettable because of how we have moved them through in that way. Now, as I look back on my life, I have uh, a confession to make that a lot of guys my age are starting to come to grips with and a lot of guys who do what I do are starting to come to grips with. And that is when you are a full-time professional minister, it's very easy to invest all your life ministry-wise into your congregation as opposed to your family. And about four years ago, I really faced this head-on and was just very upset as I reviewed my life, realizing from my perspective how many opportunities I missed with my own kids to become an unforgettable person leaving someone else do all the teaching and I'll hang out with them a little bit as I can but I just kind of saved all that for well I'll be with a wonderful group in Phoenix this weekend so if you want to hear what your dad has to say show up at one of the services And my kids are incredibly patient and incredibly gracious with me. And they put up with that. And we didn't have any, you know, super major rebellion or anything like that. But I realized as I look back, you know, I, I blew it as a formal teacher with my kids. And I'm telling you this story because I'm a firm believer in the phrase, it's never too late. It's never too late. My kids are grown and gone. They don't even, most of them don't even live in the same state of the union. That's all right. It's never too late. It's never too late. Thanks to technology, you know, we're as close to our kids as we could have been two generations ago if we all shared the same one-room house. So, a few Christmases ago, I made an attempt to make peace with my kids. I... um, I bought them all a Christmas present that I'm not sure if any of them really wanted, but they were going to get it. I bought them a daily devotional book, and I gave them all the same one. And I said, you know, we've got the same one, and I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to read this devotional every morning, and then I'm going to send all of you my thoughts in an email every day. And if you want to respond and join into the discussion, go right ahead. And there were some rolling eyes like, oh, yeah, we'll be all over that, right. (laughs) But nobody, you know, ripped the book up and, oh, this this is… No, everybody was very civil about the whole thing. So, I started doing that. And we're in our third year of doing that now, Just keep moving through devotional books. Any of you want to write a devotional book, I'm ready to buy it. I'm always looking for a new one. And I'll I'll occasionally put a little question at the end, you know, are you guys tracking with me? You know, and they'll say to me, Dad, look, we don't answer with a lot of stuff, but we get it. We get it. We, We never miss reading your email. And all I can tell you folks is, For an old guy like me, it's sure nice to know it's never too late, that you can impact those around you, no matter how far away they live, no matter how close they live, no matter if they're related or not, you can become an unforgettable person. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, take these truths and drive them home in the hearts and minds of my brothers and sisters in this room this morning. For those of us who are dealing with great pain in our lives and feel like mentoring and modeling and becoming unforgettable is the last thing on our mind. We're just trying to get through tomorrow. May you comfort them and bring them peace in their lives. Lord, thank you for all that you have done for us by being the great, not only our Savior, but the great model as well. So, Lord, as we reflect on your death now at the Lord's table. May we be thankful. May we be grateful. May we be humble and vulnerable. In Jesus' name, amen.